Okay. None of us... Are, well, first of all, let's do the passage, okay? That'll, that'll work. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 8. Would you stand with me? This is a very quick reading. If you have it with you, would you read with me as we repeat uh, God's Word? Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. May God bless us with the reading and the understanding of His Word to our hearts and minds. You may be seated. I also get thrown off very easy if things don't go according to plan, so forgive me for that as well. That's one of my, my flaws. None of us really like to stand out, do we? Uh, I know for years, when, when Christmas and birthdays would come around, things like that, people would ask me what I would want for Christmas. When I got a little bit older and didn't want toys anymore, I'd, I'd want things that would help me to blend in, okay, that wouldn't let me stand out. I, I hated flowery shirts or, or you know, anything like that. I, I like things to be kind of darker for me. Uh, just to, so, so I can blend in with everything. If I could have been invisible, I really do believe that I, that would have suited me just fine. Standing out in a group simply meant that I'd be looked at a little bit differently than everybody else. I'd be noticed. As a younger person, leadership just was not for me because it would mean then people would come to me to make decisions. They'd want my opinion on things. They'd want me to tell them what to do. And then they'd snipe at me if my answers or our thoughts were not exactly right. Thank you. Just let me blend in with the crowd to, to be a follower more than a leader. That, that's what I wanted. I once went to a job interview many, many years ago. And one of the questions that the guy asked me was, is what did I feel was like was one of my strengths? Being a follower rather than a leader, I proudly told the gentleman who interviewed me. I knew my role, and I thought that was a strength in my mind. Well, after telling me that he wasn't going to hire me, he kindly let me know that that really wasn't the answer that he nor anybody else that would ever interview me for a job would be looking to hear. Now, I I know now that he was looking out for my best interests. And looking back, I have appreciated what he told me in his very candid way uh, and and have looked upon that in in a different way ever since I had that conversation with that particular man. Not standing out then also meant that I would usually go along with the crowd and just about anything else that was going on as well. If someone made fun of somebody else, it was just cool to laugh along with them. If you didn't laugh, the rest of the guys then would start looking at you kind of funny, and their sense of humor would take direct aim at you. So it was better to laugh along with them to be, than to be laughed at. I've heard of people who have gotten themselves into all kinds of legal trouble because they, they went along with the crowd. And we may think of something like this as being something for the youth, but it's very easy for anyone of any age to get caught up into kind of that mentality. So we need to be on guard here. This is not just a sermon for the young. This is a sermon for all of us today. They couldn't or they wouldn't declare to the rest of the group that they, what, the, what was they were about to get into was bad news or, or just plain wrong. And they simply did not want to get themselves into trouble. In, in some instances, some of these people who stood their ground 
were actually physically or verbally abused. And, and even worse, they could possibly be hurt or, or even killed. And why? Because they didn't want to go along with the crowd. Have you ever been around a lot of people who were using uh, bad language and, and at the same time it just seemed like the right thing to do? So you went along with everybody else and you started using it too. It's easier to go along with the crowd though than it is to fight it, is it not? Besides, if you fight the crowd, you might be dropped from that circle of folks and so fast that you wouldn't know what hit you. Oftentimes, you just go along to get along. We oftentimes see the reality of sin when sin is looking real attractive. And it's just human nature to think, well, hey, why let them have all the fun? I want to be as cool as everybody else. So you just jump right in after them. I can remember coming home from school many a, many a day. And if I got a bad grade on something, my first line of defense was as well, everybody else did bad too. You ever use that one? I hear the laughs. Or if one of your friends got into some kind of trouble at school and, and you happened to be along with them, you might use the excuse, well, I didn't do it by myself. I didn't think of it. I just... They talked me into doing it, and I just went along with them. Go to the scriptures on something like that. I think of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis. Uh, they both did that, you know. And then you're asked, well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you do that too? And you think to yourself, if you're wise, you wouldn't say it. At least you wouldn't say it aloud in my house anyway. Well, right about now, jumping off a bridge doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> But you see the point here. We just don't normally like to stand out, to, to, to be or think differently, for the most of us at least anyway. Today, though, I, I want us to look at why it is important and sometimes very necessary to be different, to think different, to stand out at times, at least alone or away from a crowd. Maybe even be a leader to some of your friends who are, who are looking to blend in too. And they simply just did not know how to break away from what others were doing. And then you made the bold move first and they were able to follow you. It was much easier when they knew someone else was a like mind. I don't know how many times I've heard people who didn't want to go along with a crowd or some issue that was wrong. And they were told to just simply shut up about it. To be quiet about it. Don't rock the boat was the mandate. Could be in school, could be in business, could be any number of things in this life at any age. In other words, they might say, we like doing what is wrong. So stay out of it. Either get on board or get out of the way. Sadly, this seems to be an attitude that much of the world has today. Even some Christians who live in this false logic that we see this morning. Instead of blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To some it might be, it's blessed for those who don't rock the boat. Blessed are those who compromise. Blessed are those who are tolerant of anything and everything, for they will keep their job. They will get to keep their circle of friends. They won't stand out. They won't be the target of public opinion and humiliation. We talked about how we as Christians are sanctified. 
What does that mean, being sanctified? Well, we see in, in what it means in Paul in Romans ten nine with Paul. He tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and if we believe with our heart that He that God raised Him from the dead, it doesn't say then that we'll belong to the world's largest popular organization or to the in club of the world. It doesn't say anything like that, does it? At least not in my Bible. It says what? If we do those things, we will be saved. And not everyone's going to be saved. Like that statement or not. Paul goes on and and says, For it is with the heart that we are told that we believe and are justified. And if we're justified, we will be sanctified, separated from those who are not believers. You see, as we're sanctified believers of Jesus Christ, we are to be different. We are to stand away from the rest of the world. We are to be in the world, but not be of the world. As as hardships, as this sounds arguably at times, that if we are not pure in heart, we are not separate and apart from the rest of the world. That's a harsh statement to hear, is it not? We are of the world, as I said. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 says this, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. Without purity in our hearts, we cannot stand sanctified before God. Again, that may be a statement you may not like to hear, but it is fact. It is a harsh statement to have to make, but it is truth. So, if we decide to compromise with the rest of the world, we make our relationship with God very difficult. You can't have it both ways, folks. One will become more important than the other. Remember, go back to Matthew 6 where Jesus tells us that you can't serve two masters because you're going to love one and hate the other, right? We can talk all we want to about how much we love God, but our actions will substantiate our beliefs and show where our love really is. So how can we stand in God's holy place sanctified? We need to work on being pure in heart, do we not? Remember this, as in anything, we as human beings are to strive to work toward. It will always be a work in progress, no matter what we are doing, especially in our relationship with our God. Will we ever be totally pure in heart in this life? No. Must we continue to work at it to keep from going backwards? Absolutely. Think of it as a a climb up a steep hill. As long as we're moving toward that goal of reaching the top, we're going in the right direction. The minute that we stop forward progress, we start that slow, at first, slide back down the hill. Of course, the farther we slide, the faster we go. And on top of that, the chances of ever getting back to the place that we stopped at get slimmer each time that that descent begins. And who knows how far down you may have to go 
before you can ever stop that, that negative progress, if you want to call it that. Press forward in your struggle for purity of heart, no matter how tough that effort might be. We can't even begin to compromise the first time. Because if we do, we start that slide backwards. Proverbs 20 verse 9 asks a very striking question. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Well, I can count exactly on one finger all of the people that lived on this earth that could say that they lived without sin. But look at what Jesus says comes out of us. Okay, He gives us a list here. These things make us unclean. Listen to this. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And I'd like to add two more to that list if I might. Not walking away from someone who is committing any one of these, or at the very least, trying to help them stop the evil in their lives, And the second one, which may be the more dangerous one, indifference. If we're indifferent to sin going on around us, we are in essence okaying it. We have got to stand up as Christians to sin in this world. Otherwise, we're going to be swallowed up by it. That is not only individuals. That's not only as a church. It's not only as a nation, but it is as a world. If we don't stop it at home right now, we are being indifferent. And to me, that is, that's a sin. But you know, and I'm probably the only one here today guilty of this. I look at my heart. And I see so much on that list of what Jesus talked about in my my own life. It's just there. You don't mean for it to be. You don't get up in the morning thinking, hot dog, I'm going to deceive somebody today. I'm going to think lewd thoughts. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. We don't get up thinking that. But these opportunities arise as we go along throughout the day. And Satan's are always right there waiting on you just to be a little bit weak. But I, I... I look at my heart and I just think, you know, you're absolutely right, Jesus. Help me. Maybe you're one of those thoughts, one of you who think like this in Philippians 4, 8. Maybe your thoughts are, are naturally filled with whatever is true, with whatever is noble, with whatever is right, with whatever is lovely, with whatever is admirable. If that's you, congratulations. I was wrong. There have been two of you in the world instead of just one. But I dare say, if you told the truth, not to me, I don't, that, that's not, you know, you don't have to tell me. But if the person that you look at in the mirror, if you tell them that you've been doing that, hmm, I think I might want to walk away from the mirror. Not too sure I want to be close to that. So where do we get this purity of heart? We can't order it from a catalog. We can't get it on the internet anywhere. At least I haven't found it. Or uh, we, I, There's no place that I know of that we can look up in a magazine or, or anything like that where we can get it. Where do we get it? If we have a problem with our heating and air conditioning system, are you going to take it out and try to fix it yourself? I know a couple of you that might say, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. It's under warranty, so don't mess with it, okay? 
if you're sick, are you going to go to the drugstore, ask the pharmacist if you can come up there beside him, create your own prescription and go and find your own drugs? No, you're not going to do that. That's not the way this works. Where does purity in heart come from? Well, look in the Old Testament. A high priest was needed to keep himself pure so that he might go before God on the people's behalf and represent them. The high priest, listen to this, the high priest would stay awake all night the night before he was to go into the holiest part of the temple. You know why? So he wouldn't be in danger of dreaming sinful dreams. Can you imagine that? There there was even a backup high priest just in case the, the big guy stumbled and fell, so to speak. But because he was human, we know he was never perfectly pure in heart. As hard as he might try, as pure as he might have kept his outer body in all of this process, his heart still would have been infected with evil thinking. He would never have been much purer in heart than the people that he was representing going into the temple. But when Christ came to earth, the earthly high priest was no longer needed. Jesus became our high priest. Hebrews 7, 26 and 27 says this about Jesus. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy and blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, he doesn't offer or need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his sins, then for the sins of the people. No one else is needed to correct our heart problem. He is the solution to an impure heart. He not only took care of the immediate sin problem once and for all, he continues to intercede for us daily in heaven before God our Father. That's what the good news of the gospel is all about. It's about finding our purity, finding our righteousness in what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me, not what we have done for ourselves, okay? This beatitude goes hand in hand with the one from last week about being merciful. Remember we said that they really do build on each other. I I like what Fred did last week when he read them all up to the point of the one that he was talking about last week because that's how we should look at this, a step-by-step build-up process. Without one of the uh, earlier Beatitudes, it would be more difficult for the others to make sense and to be done successfully. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God gave us a desire to not be satisfied with a one-time fulfillment of that righteousness, but to continue to be hungry and thirsty for it always as Christians. The desire for purity in heart is the same. By trusting in Jesus Christ, we are opened to a picture, an understanding of purity, but with a clearer understanding that it is not a one-time thing. Perfect example. David, the psalmist, in the 51st Psalm, verse 10, says this, Create in my heart a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, think back to Psalm 51. David had been convicted by God of adultery and murder. 
And yet we know how David comes out in the end with, this, with God, don't we? Was his a one-time purification of heart? No. David asked for a continued renewal and he received it from God. That sanctification, that renewal of spirit. Practically speaking, where does this pure heart come from? If we're not born with it, where does it come from? More importantly, once we gain it, how do we keep it? Is, is any one thing that we do enough to keep it once we get it? What do we do if we, if we get and we're pure in heart? What happens when we, are, uh, when we get pure in heart? Okay, What does the Beatitudes say? We will see God. Psalm 119.9 says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Hmm. Micah 6.8. Another wonderful recipe for keeping that pure in heart. Micah says, what he has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly with your God not only entails living for Him, but praying to Him, communicating with Him daily and often. But is that enough? Will that keep us from slipping back down that steep slope of living more and more for God through Christ and less and less for ourselves, a.k.a. sanctification? By reading, how do we do this? By reading the Word of God daily. By patterning ourselves after its Word in all that we do, we will hurdle everyone or that one last big obstacle and we will meet God for ourselves. He is where our pure heart can be found. It may indeed be the one most basic thing we can do. For this is where we learn to do all of the things that we need to be pure in heart. Or shall we say, purer in heart. Again, remember, we'll never hit perfection while we're here upon this earth. I don't know if y'all remember these puzzles. A lot of you may be too young for them. But they were used to be in the comics on Sunday especially. Uh, several years back. But it, it's as if, if you're looking at a, a number of small dots. But knowing that if you keep focusing somewhere in that whole cloud of dots, eventually there is a picture within them. Does anybody remember those other than me? I used to love to get those things. They were cool. Remember what though what you had to do to be able to see that picture that was within all of those dots? It looked like it was just a cloud of dots. If you ever did one of those puzzles, you'll remember the joy, though, that you had when you finally saw what had really literally been right before your very eyes. You just couldn't focus on it properly until that moment. And then, not only did the dots come together to form a picture, they came alive. They'd usually be in 3D. And you could not unsee it. It was just there constantly after that. And it was very real. It felt as if you had entered into another realm. That's what coming face to face with God is all about. It's losing your focus on the world and finding your focus on Him.
He's in the Scriptures. He's waiting on you. He awaits each of us there. He, He waits to share with us His knowledge and His wisdom. But you'll never experience Him if you don't get your nose, your eyes, your mind, and your heart into it. The veil of ignorance then will be removed when you do. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, capital S. This likeness comes from knowing the purity of God and wanting us, wanting to have a part of it, to, to be a part of it. It's seeing the the wonder and beauty of Jesus created in us, uh, that creates in us a hunger to live our lives like Him. And knowing that if we do, we'll live with Him and see Him as He really is. It's having the Holy Spirit work within us to move us to a greater understanding of the Word and of who Jesus Christ really is and the relationship that he's wanting to have with each of us. That should be motivation enough to want to live purified lives here and now. But first, you've got to come to that relationship with Christ that, that we all need. It's of utmost importance to be assured of that relationship before we can ever begin to come to a more purified state. Once we're to that point, we can then progress to meditating and studying on the promises that God has revealed to us in the Scriptures. And from there, we can learn and should be driven to live a more purified existence. Remember, we'll still be in the world. We will still be here amongst all of the evil that goes on. But to avoid the temptation of falling back into that evil once again, we need to stay in the Scriptures. We need to stay in prayer. We need to stay in fellowship one with the other. We need to avoid evil and seek good. The worldly then must become our past. We know the reason for not just... We know then the reason for not just blending in with the crowd anymore. We need to be apart from it. Apart from the crowd, not be a part of the crowd. Certainly being pure in heart may not change the way we feel about standing out in the world. I still don't want to wear flashy clothes. That doesn't make any difference. But you see, it's not really what, what... That's all about anyway. It's not about the outside, folks. It's all about the inside. We are to live for Him in the now and for Him in the future with a pure heart. We live for Him now to be the kind of example that we need to be, to be witnesses for Christ, to to, to how we believe and in what we say, but also in, in what we do. It has to reflect or be reflected in all aspects of our life. To everyone, beginning even with our own families. And we're to live for Him for our future. As we stand on the eternal promises that have been given to each of us as followers of Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Maybe to a lot of people that seems like foolishness. Maybe to a lot of people it seems less important to be seen in the right light by God than it does to be seen in the proper light by the world. But we as Christians are to be different. We need to be different. We need to be ready to tell the world why we are different. We want to please the one who gave himself for us. No one who wanted to use, uh, not, not be one for all, who wants to use us for all that we are worth. We don't want to live for him as he uses us and then passes us on. We want to strive to be as personally pure with a purity that increasingly matches the purity of Jesus. Our perfect example of how to live this life. But knowing we'll never achieve it here on earth. We want to strive to see God and to be transformed to His likeness in all that we do, say, and read. Only then can we truly understand when Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Beatitudes, for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as he is constantly um, renewing our minds, uh, changing our thinking, how at one time we could live like the world and we'd feel okay, but knowing that that's not the way we need to do, that we need to live purer lives like him to be able to see him someday. So strengthen us, Lord, to that end. Give us a renewal of spirit to want to love you and serve you and and learn more about you each and every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.